find ourselves in chapter 3. Going to read from verses 20 through 35. Chapter 3 of Mark, verses 20 through 35. Listen carefully to the holy word of God. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub. And by the prince of demons, he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom is divided against itself. That kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed, he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came and standing outside They sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here is my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God He is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we would ask that we would see the importance and understand the importance of serving the Lord Jesus Christ in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that you would bless our hearts from this very text and that we would be found faithful disciples in your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. It may be helpful this morning to think about a sandwich. (laughs) 
considering our text. In view of the traditional sandwich, there is bread on the two outside sections of the sandwich, and then there are the ingredients that each of us likes to place between the bread in the middle of the sandwich. Well, Mark's literary structure in this section is like a sandwich. Notice that verses 20 and 21 at the beginning of this section speaks of his family coming to him. Then, verses 31 through 35 at the end of this section speaks of his family members coming once again. If you are thinking of a sandwich, then these two discourses at the beginning and end of the narrative are like the outer two slices of bread. Now in the middle, between the bread, is an important discourse of the ingredient between the two slices of bread. That is the confrontation between Jesus and the scribes concerning his authority to cast out demons and he is going to address the issue of sin against the Holy Spirit. Herein the scribes accuse Jesus casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. This middle section about Jesus casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub is very interesting with respect to how Mark arranges his unfolding story surrounding the ministry of our Savior. It's interesting in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 22 through 32, there is no mention of Jesus' family prior to the confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees about casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub and the sin against the Holy Spirit. In Matthew's Gospel, it's the Pharisees that are mentioned, not the scribes. Rather, in Matthew, the healing of a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute is prior to the Beelzebub story, Matthew 12, 22, and 23. Likewise, in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, verses 14 through 23, there is no mention of Jesus' family prior to the confrontation between Jesus and some of the people, quote, unquote, discussing whether Jesus casts out demons by the power of Beelzebub. In Luke, neither the scribes nor the Pharisees are specifically mentioned. What is mentioned is some of the people. 
Luke introduces his narrative by incorporating some sections from the Sermon on the Mount, including the Lord's Prayer and Jesus casting out a demon of a man who is mute. Chapter 11 of Luke's Gospel 1 through 14. Congregation, if you are carefully listening to the differences between Matthew, Luke, and Mark, and how they arrange their Gospels, it becomes obvious that they are each telling their own story about Jesus from their own unique writing skill as well as style, as well as their own personality under the direction of the Holy Spirit. For this reason, we have been so careful to understand how Mark is telling his story about our Jesus. We want to be participants in the story and follow the flow of how the Holy Spirit is using Mark's unique insights to present a gospel of evangelism from the supreme evangelist, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who will live and provide the pattern of living and presenting the good news of the kingdom of God for his church. So as we return to the flow of our text this morning, there are many interesting issues that Mark places before his reader. Keep fresh in your mind our previous message of Jesus taking the disciples up on the mountain to ordain them as apostles, the previous text from last week, to ordain them as apostles for their evangelistic ministry of preaching Jesus and casting out demons in his church and in the world. We saw that last week in chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. We noted that the mountain scene presupposes Jesus' ascension, sending his apostles to carry out the great commission to the nations. As the names of the apostles are presented to us by Mark, Peter's name appears first, and his name embodies the confessional rock that Jesus is the Christ on which the church will surely be preserved against the gates of hell from Christ's ascension until Christ's second coming. And how is that message of good news to go forth by the church in that whole era? Remember how we saw this? Well, the last apostle named prior to the betrayer is Simon the Zealot, 
which points to the directive for the church. It is to be a zealous message. The church goes forth with a zealous message. Jealous for the sanctity of Jesus' supernatural redemption for his bride. Now that that is done, now the training begins about the cost of discipleship, about what following Jesus really means to be an ordained disciple and apostle. Will they, these apostles chosen, will they live the pattern of suffering to exaltation? Are you ready? Are you ready yourself? And where does Mark begin? Where does Mark begin? I'll ask you again. Are you ready? He begins with family. No other gospel in the New Testament has the verses 20 and 21. You talk about the rubber hitting the road. Mark's gospel alone has verses 20 through 21. And there has been a lot of ink spilled about these two verses. Remember, we have been noticing that Mark's narrative becomes more intense the further we go into the dramatic story about Jesus. Where are we? The intensity is building once again. We are back at his home here in the text. Back in his home in Capernaum. This is the third time we are in this home. And this time it is more intense than the previous two times which he was there. The first time in that home, remember it's the home of Simon and Andrew, he heals Simon's mother-in-law in chapter 1, 29 and through 31. The second time he comes back to that home is this. He returned to that home where the crowd gathered, leaving no room in the house, and thus five men of faith bring a paralytic and lower him down from the roof. Jesus, seeing such faith, forgives the paralytic's sin and then heals him. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. 
Certain scribes who were present witnessed Jesus' pronouncement of forgiveness of sin and accused Jesus of blasphemy since only God can forgive sin. Now, you remember the intensity of that event. Now, we are back in the home a third time here in our text. Like the second visit to the house. You see in the text, the house is overcrowded. This time the crowd is so vast that Mark mentions that no one could eat. (laughs) No one's going to be able to eat, it's so crowded. (laughs) This would include Jesus and his disciples. Now comes the perplexing verse. Notice verse 21. Jesus' family hears about this. Hears about what? Stay with the text. Stay with the text that the crowds have gathered around Jesus once again and his family has heard that Jesus is not eating. Jesus is not eating. Now, who are his family members mentioned here? Look down at verse 31. Mark tells us that it is his mother and his brothers. Remember, this is the second reference to the family in verse 31. The first one is the one we're focusing on, verse 21. Later in Mark's gospel, in chapter 6, verse 3, we are given the identity by Mark of his mother. His mother's name is Mary. And his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And in chapter 6, verse 3, it states he has sisters as well, although they are not named in that chapter. There is no mention in our text this morning that the sisters accompanied Mary and the brothers. Well, as the crowd squeezes into the house and Jesus and the people cannot eat, Mary and his brothers want to seize him and get him away from the crowd. Now, the next phrase has been the issue that baffles interpreters. Look closely at verse 21. For they were saying, he is out of his mind. Now remember, (laughs) remember, this is the only gospel that has this verse. 
And as I have tried to tell you before, any time a text appears in a gospel by itself, it is a huge clue concerning what that author is trying to tell us about his message. So don't forget that. So after investigating this, the, the discussion, I am remaining with the traditional interpretation of this phrase. It even makes more sense to me in the manner that we have understood the flow of Mark's presentation of Jesus and the good news in his gospel. With all this commotion that is going on around the activity of Jesus, his own family members have concluded at this point that he is out of his mind. The Greek here carries the meaning of gone mad, insane. One scholar says that it is the equivalent of the modern idiom that he has flipped. This is coming from his own family. Let me underline once again, just in case you didn't hear it. (laughs) Only Mark's gospel has verses 20 and 21 about Jesus' family. Watch. Mark begins the narrative after ordaining his apostles with the picture of hostility, hostility from within Jesus' own family. As Jesus lives the life of the church, one of the first areas of conflict that a believer will face is from within their own family. Deep down in the hearts of unbelief within the family, they may actually think, you are out of your mind. You have gone mad. You have become insane. You're flipped. Following this Jesus. Like Jesus and his disciples and apostles, you could be viewed as a religious fanatic. You might be viewed as being part of a religious cult by your own family members as well as the world out there. By the end of this particular dialogue, there is no doubt where Jesus is pressing his audience. He is pressing his family and the crowd to understand that his true brother, 
sister, and mother are those who sat around him. Those who are communing and loving the good news of the gospel of God that is found in himself, the Son of God, who has brought the kingdom of God. So who is in this section? Who is Jesus' brother, sister, and mother? Look at verse 35. He tells you. It's his bride. It's his church. It is those who do the will of God. Do you understand that it is more important to be part of the family of God eternally, the church, instead of aligning yourself with unbelief even within your own family? Mark's narrative is telling you that Jesus is more important than flesh and blood family. So where is your heart of discipleship this morning? This does not mean that you divorce yourself from your family completely. (laughs) This is the gospel of the evangelist. Of the evangelists, the gospel must continue to be placed before families as well as other with your own family. We have a long list of that on our prayer list in which you have requested yourselves prayers for your families who are still or have become unbelievers. Don't quit praying for them. Don't quit witnessing to them. You want to do that. This is the gospel of the evangelist. The gospel must continue to be placed before your families as well as others. After all, it is the good news That alone can change sinful hearts to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus, the Savior of his people. In contrast to the previous, to the previous aspect of an unclean spirit back there in chapter 3 verse 11 You will not be silent before family, friends, and others that Jesus is the Son of God. 
That's what you will proclaim before all of them. By Mark placing verses 20 and 21 in his gospel, especially that last phrase coming from his family about Jesus being out of his mind, it is a perfect lead into the discussion with these elite scribes who are experts in Jewish law. Family members say that he is out of his mind. And now to prove that, to prove that, the scribes are essentially saying that he is so much out of his mind that he is demon-possessed casting out demons. As far as the scribes are concerned, this guy is very, very odd. Yep, (laughs) Jesus is so out of whack that he is casting out demons by the chief demon, Beelzebub. How insane is that? I ask you this morning, do you really want to be a follower of Jesus. Are you ready to follow someone who is actually accused of being demon possessed? Well, we will return to the ingredient in the middle of our sandwich literary structure next week, verses 22 through 30. We don't have time to go into that whole part this morning. Meanwhile, if you are seeing that there is a continuity in the narrative between the statement from Jesus' family and the accusation from these Jerusalem scribes, then let me make one other connection in the flow of the narrative this morning. The narrative begins with Jesus' home in Capernaum. He is in a house. As the scribes invade Jesus' home and house, Jesus will use an interesting metaphor with respect to the kingdom of Satan. A kingdom, a house divided against itself, can not stand. Verses 24 and 25 of our text. Although Jesus is directly addressing the scribes with this metaphor, a careful reader cannot help but to think that the same principle, the same analogy can be applied to the kingdom of God. In fact, it must be applied to the kingdom of God and the church. If his family thinks he is out of his mind, 
then they are not at this point in Mark's gospel, they are not at this point in Mark's gospel to be viewed as part of the kingdom of God and the church. The church, the members of the kingdom, his true family of brother, sister, and mother are those who are seated before him. That posture in the text, grab it, hold on to it. It is a glorious picture in this house of believers being seated before the Lamb of the throne of the Lamb of God, listening to every word he speaks as the nourishing food for their soul. Who needs to eat? (laughs) It's so crowded they can't eat. Who needs to eat when you are listening to, remember, flow the flow of Mark's gospel. Remember chapter 2, verse 26. Who needs to eat when you are listening to the bread of the presence of God? We are in the era, remember? We are in the era when his disciples do not fast because they are listening to the bread of the presence of God. The bridegroom is present with the words of life. And the true people of God feast upon every word from the lips of the evangelist of good news, Jesus Christ. The the house of the family of God can not stand if it is divided against itself. Will not Paul underline Jesus' metaphor adjusted to Christ's church? Does not Paul ask the Corinthian church, is Christ divided? The foundational, undivided life of the apostolic church 
and the continuing church until Christ returns is succinctly stated by Paul to the Corinthian church. It is simply this, for I've decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Returning to Mark's text, at this point in the story, the viewpoint of Jesus' family, that Jesus is out of his mind, is divisive. Is divisive. To allow that position into his house would divide the house against itself. And his house will not stand. You have nothing in the text where Jesus invites them into the house. At this moment, in Mark's narrative, the undivided church is his brothers, sisters, and mother that are before him and listening to him. It is not Mary, and it is not his brothers. Moreover, at a much deeper spiritual level, to allow anything within the kingdom of Satan to enter the house, the church, where the presence of Jesus and his word alone stands as the undivided authority will only divide the church and she will tumble. Congregation, the purity and sanctity of Christ's church is what a true follower and disciple of Jesus desires to hold sacred. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, our Savior in our text, identifies the true church of the Son of God. We know that this is the gospel of the good news. It is the message of an author who is an evangelist for the sake of the evangelist. We ask, O Lord, that we would not be shy, that we would be strong-willed, that we would be fortified in the gospel to speak to those within our families
and those others about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ if they are in such a need. Bless us, bless our words, bless our wisdom, bless the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as it goes forth. In Jesus' name, amen.